Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian calls this classic movie musical a sugar rush of a film. But Derek Malcolm, also of The Guardian, calls it a grave disappointment to anyone in search of style or substance. And about its sequel, Gary Arnold of The Washington Post says it's the most serendipitous sequel in recent memory. It is an ingratiating, jubilant improvement on a crummy original. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Greece. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. We're doing an episode now. Rune Childhoods, go, Rune Childhoods. <laughs> Greetings, Starfighters. We're going to talk about Greece. <laughs> and we certainly are. But first, hello, Dan, and hello to our listeners. Welcome hello. to the show. We're doing another one. This is episode 134. Can you believe it? 134, and we don't have a, a celebration planned. We 134. I know, I know. A what mathematical a, equation number. in a three-digit number. <laughs> so that's very true. Addition, we love it. So hey, and uh, subtraction. If you're going, uh, sure. If you're, yeah, of course. Why not? Uh, how's it going? How's it going, Dan? It's going all right, John. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I uh, I watched a fantastic movie last night that is currently playing in theaters called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, Vincent D'Onofrio. It's so good. Directed by Michael Showalter. I didn't realize Michael Showalter directed it. That is... It doesn't feel like other movies that he's directed. No, it kind of has the, like, it almost, I don't, I, I guess it, it, just from the little bit of, like, trailers that I've seen for it, like, I, I think the movie it recalls the most for me is probably, like, The People versus Larry Flint, just, like, from looking at it and looking at, like, the costumes and the depictions. <laughs> I've heard it compared to, like, a Christian, uh, like, a, a, a televangelist Boogie Nights, which, yes. It totally works. That works. It looks, you know, uh, and it's great. It's it's really it's really wonderful. It's very moving. I mean, when there's a movie about you know Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, and the real villain is not them, it's you know Jerry Falwell, which right. is not a surprise. But like you know, when when you're rooting for them, you know that the movie has done a good job of uh, of setting them up. Yeah. So I wonder if it was like, how do we make the, them sympathetic? It's like, well, we'll throw, we'll introduce well, Jerry it, Falwell. It does a really good job. I know, I know. And Vincent D'Onofrio plays Jerry Falwell, and he's oh. Jerry Falwell Senior, I should say. Yeah, and he's so good. He's so good. Yeah, I'm um, really excited about it. I, Vincent D'Onofrio. I, I'm a big fan of Jessica Chastain's work. She's great. Yeah, she's so good. I really think I just thought this was great casting. It looks like Andrew Garfield does. He does a, a he does a good job. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, cool. So the eyes of Tammy Faye. All right. So get, get, yeah. you know, it, or, you know, if you, if you feel comfortable, 
if you if you feel safe, yes, go to a theater. I did not. I I had a screener link to it, um, which is how I watched it, and. The uh, I'm actually going to see a movie tomorrow in a theater that requires vaccinations, and I'm going to see uh, Shang-Chi, and um, I feel like it's been out long enough that I'm not worried about the theater filling up or anything, going with some friends, we're sharing a babysitter, and uh, yeah, uh, if we get there and it like feels uncomfortable, which I don't suspect it will, we're going to a theater that's you know, a much smaller boutique movie theater Yeah, that I don't suspect is going to be, you know, loosey-goosey with the rules. You're not going to the multiplex at the mall. No. No. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So, Dan, I wanted to talk about one more thing from our episode on being there. Mm. And this is something that, if you remember, this moment we stopped recording, I was like, ah, I've got one more thing. I quickly wrote it down. So uh, for anybody who didn't listen to our last episode, we talked about the movie Being There, which was uh, the writing credit goes to Jerzy Kaczynski, who wrote the novel that this was adapted from. And Jerzy Kaczynski had written versions of a screenplay that were all apparently garbage. And... Uh, a wonderful, talented writer and editor named Bob Jones wrote the script that they actually shot. But Jersey Kaczynski refused to give him credit for it because he was not a great guy. And uh, Bob Jones, who wrote the fantastic script for the movie being there, turns out is the father of... Uh, Leslie Jones? A Leslie Jones, the editor. <laughs> Is the- Her name is Leslie Jones. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, and she is an editor. Dan, do you know what she's edited? No, go ahead and tell me. I'm not going to look it up. Okay, uh, so she's worked with Paul Thomas Anderson a lot, did it in her advice, The Master, uh, Punch Drunk Love. She did Murder at 1600, The Thin Red Line. She did 20th Century Women, and a movie that I uh, happen to really like a lot, uh, directed by Roman Coppola, a movie called CQ. With uh, Jeremy Davies and Angela Linval and uh, Jason Schwartzman is in there, you know, keeping it in the Coppola family. And uh, yeah, so fantastic editor, did some amazing work with uh, P.T. Anderson, especially. Yeah, and and of course, I was joking and referring to the other Leslie Jones, I, so I am I know you were. Shocked. I know you were joking, <laughs> but it was like, well, I, I mean, yes, but I know no, your I reaction. Know you I was mean. very surprised at your reaction. I was just expecting like an eye roll, but then it was like, what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Me roll my eyes? Never. <laughs> it's yeah. in the genetics. So. Yeah. So anyway, that was uh, something that I thought was important to mention. Just a very talented family. I mean, uh, Bob Jones is is known first as an editor before his career as a writer. And but his I guess that his uh, his contributions to the like the making of being there uh, feature, which I think is on the the Criterion Blu-ray, was on the Criterion yes. Channel. He's fascinating. Like he really yeah. he really does a good job of like giving you the background of how the movie came to came to be. Yeah. And and it's like everybody co-signs the idea that he was the, you know, true writer. I mean, there was a I don't know if you listened to there was a um the an audio excerpt of 
uh, Hal Ashby, the director of being there, talking to students at AFI, the American Film Institute, I believe, and they were asking him about Jersey Kaczynski's script and everything. And he was like, I want to make something clear. Jersey Kaczynski did not write this, the movie that we shot. It was written by Bob Jones and like made it very, very clear. So uh, it is, it's not just like Bob Jones says this and nobody else agrees. It is established. And Bob Jones also won an Oscar for the, I believe it was the script to coming home, which Hal Ashby directed like Mm -hmm. the year before. Right. Just before it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Bob Jones, talented guy. His daughter, uh, talented. Talented. Uh, the Thin Red Line. One of line. the two talented Leslie Jones. She, Jones she edited The Thin Red Line. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I don't like I've seen that movie before and I'm sure I've seen. She's also done credits, a, but... a bunch of other things, too. Oh, but, yeah. You know, yeah. those were ones that I picked out just to show. I mean, the editing in The Master and Punch Drunk Love are especially astonishing. Yeah. Inherent Vice I need to watch again because I didn't watch it. I watched it on a TV that had motion smoothing on and I was very taken out of the situation. So I need to give it another watch. Mm. Um, yeah. But 20th Century Women is great. CQ is great. I haven't anyway. seen 20th Century Women. Oh, it's really, it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Annette Benning, how do you go wrong? Great cast. Great cast. Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and Dan, I've got a, a news bit that I think you'll find interesting. Uh, Disney, I believe for Disney Plus, is rebooting Flight of the Navigator. Did you see this? No, I don't believe I have seen it, but I just had a moment where with all of the, like, Disney Plus is rebooting, like, Paramount Plus is rebooting, I just, I had a moment of, wait, did I see that? And I was thinking, I was like scrolling in my mind through all of like the announced Disney plus reboots of like Willow and what, like yeah, sister yeah. act. And <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, this one um, it's, you know, there's been talk about it being rebooted for a long time. And uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is going to be uh, directing it. And Dan, do you know who directed the original? Uh, did Randall Kleiser direct the original? Randall Kleiser, director of Grease, directed the original. Yeah, okay. That is right. All right. Nice. I remember, I, I mean, seeing that a long time ago, <laughs> Flight of the well, Navigator. W- so, Dan, I'm I'm wondering, were you able to pull out the director's name because I told you earlier that before we start recording that my news bit would tie into Greece. Yes. I, okay. Okay. I, I, I think, I, I think without that, I, I don't know if I would have gotten there so, so quickly or at all. Well, there you go. Fact, so there you go. Who also so directed my... big top peewee. So we, we've, we've discussed his work before. Yeah, that's true. And big top peewee. Uh, I, I, there, one of the accounts that I follow on Instagram that, shows photographs from the uh opening night like the premiere of certain movies mm-hmm. uh highlighted on the day that we're recording this um big top peewee and uh it man i love seeing the people that turn out to to these things i mean uh gary and jake Busey are usually there uh together and you know sure enough they were there for this one uh it seems like arsenio hall gave Paul Rubens a plaque 
making him an honorary member of the Black Pack. And it had the names of Arsenio Hall, uh, Robert Townsend, Eddie Murphy. There were some other some other actors in there. Was this back and like he, back in the back in like the eighties, right? Does yes, that, yes, like yes. eighty. Yeah, okay, that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. He was, he was given a plaque well, to be an honorary member. I mean, and I don't know. I wonder if this connects. But if you think about it, so like summer of nineteen eighty eight. Paramount had big, both Big Top Pee Wee and Coming to America in theaters. Arsenio and Eddie Murphy um, contracted uh-huh. to the studio. Paul Rubens, who, like, I assume, like, because we also talked about it with Back to the Beach. Right. Because also this was, like, back in the age when that actually mattered. Like, when the studios were, like... The studio system. The studio control, system yeah. and actors who were connected to different studios and like Eddie Murphy and Paramount in the eighties was like, that was just a a hit making partnership right there. Yeah. And Hey, while we're talking about the major studios, I want to give a shout out to the song a week podcast brought to you by uh, the band don't stop or we'll die. Uh, Paul Rust and Michael Cassidy, who did a song that incorporates the universal pictures uh, anthem which is so delightful. I had to send it to Dan. And it was really, so good. And what I admired about it was it it wasn't just the anthem, but it was like they tried to capture because you know, in the days when it was really all about the big studios, it was kind of like each studio had their own their own thing. Like I know Warner Brothers for a long time was like like the like really like gritty crime movies studio. And uh-huh. you see that in everything, you know, like, you know, Dirty Harry, Goodfellow. I know. I mean, there's yeah. more, but uh, I feel like they really they also tried to capture the spirit of what made a a universal picture, especially right. in, in right. the 80s and 90s. Yeah, of course. No, I I love their work. They're a very funny and talented band, and um, yeah, I appreciate it. And now do TriStar. (laughs) Yeah, TriStar. So, uh, what studio put out Grease? Paramount. Trying to remember. I'm trying to. That was Paramount. Paramount. I'm trying to picture the uh, the opening, and of course. The only thing I can really think of is just the animation that the movie opens with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but no, yeah. Paramount, uh, which did Grease and Grease 2 and had yeah. actually intended there to be like a, I, I want to say a trilogy of movies and a TV series. like right. back, And this was back in the day, back before it was like Disney Plus is rebooting. Yeah. Like tummy trouble from you know the cartoon before Honey I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this I mean you know you know Grease is a really interesting one because you know it was a stage musical first, and uh, you know Dan you did it in high school, junior high. I was I was a sophomore in high school. Yes, high yes, school. But, yeah, and it's almost like it's like for young musical theater actors it's kind of like a almost a rite of passage like everyone does grease i mean i like my my friends uh ray dijon who we had on for back to the beach Beach. uh michael buckley who we haven't had on yet but uh i'm I'm sure the time will come uh you know like they did professional productions of grease ray uh toured with it was cindy williams shirley oh yeah shirley and and american graffiti played uh miss lynch who in the movie is miss mcgee Ah. 
And uh, I think the big ragu from Laverne and Shirley was sure. Eddie Mecca played. I, uh, I think he played Vince Fontaine in it. The uh, gotcha. The DJ. national bandstand. Yeah. Yeah. Host. Um, and in fact, I, I remember uh, I think it was when when Ray did the production, one of the original writers like spoke, spoke with them and, and talked to them. And like, there was like, there, there was really this gang, like the T-Bird, the Burger Palace boys in the musical T-Birds in the movie. Like it was a real gang. And apparently like the original versions of Greece were kind of more, um, more about that, more focused on that. And, and were maybe a bit more serious or, I mean, it's been, it's been a while. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I, I wrote a particularly long synopsis of, (laughs) of Greece. And it's funny because this is a movie where it's like, if you haven't seen Greece, then it would be really surprising. I mean, I don't think that it's really watched as much with today's kids, but, you know, I'm thinking back like 15 years ago, if I was at like a friend's house where they they had like younger siblings or cousins over, I remember hearing the kids like singing the songs and like doing karaoke to like, and it's just like very jarring because these songs are not for children. No, 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 especially not the like the original versions of them. Like there are toned down versions, but well, e- I'm talking about the movie version. Yeah, yeah, no, even the movie versions are yeah, are not as not yeah. quite as as toned down. Um and but and and you know, I think it's we, our discussion will get to like why Greece might not be as popular cho- uh, as popular a choice these days in living rooms around America. But yeah, we'll yeah. we'll get there. I think we should uh we should get into the synopsizing. Sure. All right. Well, buckle up, Dan. If you have a drink, now's a good time to, uh, you know, grab that and relax a little bit because <laughs> this isn't going to be a long one. This is more of a like a play by play. I didn't include everything because, you know, you have to draw the line somewhere. But after I'm done, you can let me know if there's anything important that I, I really left out. All right. I'm ready. On the first day of his senior year at Rydell High, big man on campus Danny Zuko tells his friends all about his sexual exploits with Sandy, an Australian girl he met at the beach. What he doesn't know is that she's a new student at Rydell and telling her new friends all about her summertime romantic tryst with a boy of her dreams. When she tells her friends, known by all at their school as the Pink Ladies, that his name is Danny Zuko, They laugh, realizing that the softie she's been describing is actually the school's biggest tough and her new pal Rizzo's ex-beau. After the school's pep rally, Rizzo arranges a surprise for Sandy, Danny Zuko. At first, he's so excited to see her that he drops his macho facade, a vibe that he's been cultivating for years. Once he realizes that he's become vulnerable and potentially uncool, he acts as if Sandy means nothing more to him than a simple roll in the hay. Distraught, Sandy is invited by Pink Lady Frenchie to her house for a sleepover with the girls. It's there that Sandy further distances herself from Rizzo by revealing that she just may be a square goody two-shoes. After a failed ear-piercing attempt from Frenchie, who is dropping out of high school to pursue her beauty school dreams, Sandy spends some time healing in the ensuite banjo. Meanwhile, Rizzo sings a song with Frenchie, Marty, and Jan all about how prim, proper, and pathetic Sandy is. When Sandy walks in on them, she's super bummed and storms out. 
Not only does she find out that her dream guy is a phony, but her new friends aren't necessarily what's best for her. This is when Danny and his pals, the T-Birds, roll up. Rizzo pops out and takes off with Kaniki, the car-owning T-Bird and second banana to Danny. Rizzo and Kaniki neck in the parked car before deciding to raw dog in the back seat. We then meet the T-Bird's rival, the Scorpions, led by Leo, aka Craterface, who gives Kaniki's car a few extra dents. The next day, the guys start working to fix up the car in the shop class. As Sunny, Putsy, and Duty, the other T-Birds, rag on the POS car, Danny sees its potential and they begin to put some serious work into it. Meanwhile, Sandy has decided to move on from Danny and starts seeing Tom, a bland athlete. Taking note, Danny tries out for all different sports offered at Rydell, ultimately finding that track may be his sport. Sandy takes notice and the two reconcile. Later on at the diner, the gang talks about National Bandstand, a live television dance-off that will be taking place at Rydell. After most of the gang takes off, Rizzo and Kaniki have at it with a big argument. After they leave, Frenchie is by herself with Vi, the diner's owner. Frenchie reveals that she's accidentally dyed her hair pink at beauty school and has dropped out. After Vi ducks out, Frenchie is visited by her guardian angel, Frankie Avalon, who is more like the personification of her insecurities, telling her that she's worthless and should go back to high school and get trained to join the steno pool. Next, we're in the Rydell gym on the day of the National Bandstand broadcast. Everything is going great, and Danny and Sandy are a dancing dream team. But when Sandy gets taken out and Danny's ex, Cha-Cha, steps in, they end up winning the competition, greatly upsetting Sandy. Danny tries to make up with Sandy another night at the drive-in by giving her his class ring, but ends up digging himself deeper when he attempts to mount her. Also at the drive-in, it's revealed that Rizzo may be pregnant, though she denies that it's Kaniki's, even though he tries to be supportive. Another day, the guys reveal that they finished the car that Kaniki intends to race against Craterface at something called Thunder Road. Danny and Kaniki have a nice moment of friendship. At Thunder Road, Marty attempts to pass on a lucky penny, but ends up getting Kaniki bonked in the head, meaning that Danny has to race against Craterface. Despite dirty moves from the Scorpions, Danny heroically outperforms him and wins the race and Crater faces Pink Slip. Looking on is Sandy, who runs off with Frenchie. She ends up debuting a new look at the Senior Carnival, a counterculture leather queen to match Danny's vision of the perfect woman. Meanwhile, he's wearing a Letterman sweater since he secretly ran varsity track in an attempt to match Sandy's ideal for a perfect man. Turns out they go together like Rama Lama Lama Kadinga Da Ding Da Dong. All right, Dan. Can I breathe now? Well, you did. No, I'm just kidding. I want to point out, I got through all of that without flubbing any words. No, that was really, and I I mean, yeah, there's a lot going on, but yeah, I guess there's a lot going on in this movie and there's some others, you know, there are other little tiny subplots, but nothing worth. There's so yeah. There's a lot going on here. Wait, did you mention and, the, the flying car at the end, or was I? No, just I didn't mention the flying it. car okay. at the end because it's, it's, it's almost just like let's just edit that out. Well, because that makes, yeah. So it, it's, so the music at the end. What the two of them go into the dream sequence version of the car and fly away. Right, right, right. I mean, well. So the the stage musical is uh, set up kind of in the context of a of a high school reunion, and that's the opening. Oh. Yeah, the opening scene is uh, you know in the show, it's it's the reunion, it's the 
excuse me, I think like 20, 20 year or maybe like 15 year reunion or something. I'm trying to think. Okay. It, it would have, it, it opened in, I don't know. It's a reunion and maybe it was the 10 year reunion. And it starts with like Miss Lynch, Miss McGee, who's like an older, right, and, yeah. uh, Eugene, like an older Eugene, uh, Eugene, uh, who's the nerdy guy, Felsnick, yeah, played by uh, Ed, Edward Eddie Deason, who uh, Deezer, Deason, Deason, Eddie Deason, yeah, yeah, who, um, you know, you would recognize him. He kind of played the same part in a lot of different yeah. things. <laughs> He was in Greece. He's in. He also pops up in Greece too, randomly. Greece too. I want to say he's also in like Meatballs too. But you know, like that checks out. Skinny nerd. Uh, you know the quote unquote nerd stereotype. Who uh, I know he was in. He was in Bad Health for a while, and then as I was just kind of like doing a quick Google of of Greece uh, before before we started to record, a, a result came up from yesterday. <laughs> Whoa. That um, Eddie Deason was arrested after th- it says uh, re- he reportedly became disorderly at a restaurant and threw items, including food, at sheriff's deputies. And this was oh in uh, L- Laval, Maryland. And he was that he was yelling loudly. He was disturbing customers and they tried to get him out. And then like he wouldn't leave. And I don't think this I I mean, I like read over it a few times just to see there's nothing mentioned about like if if masks had anything to do with this. That's the first thing I thought of is if he was anti-mask. And I I mean, yeah, no, because that's that's usually, you know, where these stories these days. But I think, you know, Eddie Deason has just had like a just a rough time since you know yeah. the early 80s and i like oh, i know a guy. few years ago there was i think like a gofundme out there to help him with some type of treatment i don't know if it was like substance abuse oh. treatment or or what it was but yeah so that uh, yeah so anyway um back to the story the yeah. The mu- so the musical opens with this, uh, like so the, the reunion, the, yeah, and they sing the school anthem, the Rydell School, um, gotcha. you know, and then it kicks into the opening number, which takes us back to the 50s because they start by singing like the straight up, like Rydell high anthem, and then it's the it's the parody version of it. Like I saw a dead skunk on the highway and I was going crazy from okay. the smell. Cause when the wind was blowing my way, it smelled just like the halls of old Rydell. And I, oh, yeah, I don't know how I remember that, but uh... you do. What was the role that you played in the play? Okay. So I played a part I that is not in the movie. Um, the, the role I played was Roger. Roger was one of the, and in the movie, or sorry, in the show, the, it's not the T-Birds, it's the Burger Palace Boys. And the yeah. members of the Burger, Burger Palace Boys are, it's Danny, Kanicki, Sonny, Roger, and Duty. Duty, who, you know, supposedly gotcha. looks like Howdy Duty. And in, which Got in it. the movie, I think it's Putsy. Putsy. They add yeah. Putsy, and I think Putsy's kind of more like duty, and then Roger's kind of characteristics get split between Sonny and duty in the in the gotcha, movie. Gotcha. Because Roger is the mooning king of Rydell High. 
Ah, yeah. got he, it. Yeah, shows his ass to everybody. And um, like even Moon, the, well, she's not the principal in the show. She's like the math teacher or something, or English teacher, um, Miss Lynch. So, and he- well, if uh, if the the play is anything like Grease two, then teachers just kind of teach every class, and uh, you know, you you get set up that they teach one thing, but then they're teaching another class anyway. Doesn't matter. Go on. Uh, yeah, we'll get to Grease two. Um, so. Yeah, so Roger, I don't know why Roger didn't make it into the movie. I've never seen any any like mention of it. It might just be because like that was basically his whole character well, was built around mooning people, which does happen in the movie with the yeah. uh, they they moon the cameras at National Bandstand. So it's not like no, that's, they were anti-mooning. That's true, and that's true. So I, and I know, got to sing the uh, song. Things happen when there's. You have to do. I what got now? to sing a song called "Mooning," and it's all it's because he's because ah. this is the character. So Roger ends up in um he he has a crush on Jan, Jan, oh, okay. the one who does like the is the Buck Bucky Beaver like brush 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 right. That's Jan. So so uh they end up they have a duet called "Mooning," and it's really nice, and they mm-hmm. go to the dance together and um. But yeah, and then he gets his pants pulled down uh, during, you know, so that was like my big, uh, you know, my big moment on the Your big the high moment. school stage in 10th grade was uh, yeah. was getting pantsed. Um, I had like three pairs of underwear on. <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah. No, it was. It so, like, <laughs> so talking a bit about, about the movie, Dan, this came out, you were a baby. Um it came out before I was born. Do you remember watching this when you were a little kid? I must have seen it on VHS at some point. Um, I I mean, I know I had seen it by the time I had auditioned for the show. So oh, probably. I saw it when I was a kid. Well, definitely. yeah. I mean, I know I had like a VHS copy of it, but I didn't have that until... I was doing the play. I I can yeah. tell you, I did actually, I did see Grease on the big screen, not upon its original release, of course, but it yeah. received a 20th anniversary re-release in 1998. And mm-hmm. um, I remember going to that with my college friends. We were all musical theater people. So right. I remember we we went to go see it and, and you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was you know, fun to see oh, it on the big screen. I, I imagine it's, you know, despite the uh, the issues that it does have, there's certainly something, some language in there that's not, that wouldn't be considered kosher these days. You know, uh, did she put up a fight? Those types oh, of things. Oh, I thought you were thinking of like, it's a real pussy wagon when they're singing Grease Lightning. No, that would, Did they sing that that in... would still fly today, yeah. just not for children. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, only in a Quentin uh, Tarantino movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, the the music in it is so good. The plot is very basic and it's a little like uh, he's not really changed so much for her, but she's changed a lot for him. And yeah, there's just some like, eh, not really the best message. Well, but it's a lot of fun. The music is great. The mu- Yeah, the music is really good. Um I mean, some of the songs, like you know, "Grease Lightning" is a showstopper. "Summer Lovin'," d- despite the oh, 
Yeah. But it's also it's so this is where it's kind of it's tricky uh, kind of negotiating the very outdated messages of it, but also thinking like it is set in 1959. Yes. And 58, I think. 58, 59. And like these were the norms and these were the things oh, that were done. And it yeah, was for sure, you know. But if you're making a movie about something now, you don't necessarily have to include every little thing that was a norm. Well, it's about about in a period. It depends on the movie. So, I mean, I think kind of that's where I land is a musical comedy that takes it lightly. And it's just like, oh, look at that. He's hiding under the bleachers, staring up their skirts and they have no idea. Like it's it's hard to laugh at that and just say, oh, that sunny boys will be boys boys. will be boys. Right. It's, It's so it it's kind of like it's the context and. It's almost like Greece. I feel like Greece works better in that respect when paired with Greece too. I agree. I think that these two movies work so well, and I hadn't seen Greece two until just now. And I've heard for such a long time how you know it's it's a cult favorite for a lot of people. And I just, it just never happened that I had an opportunity to watch it. So I'm glad that we gave ourselves the opportunity now. Um, And one thing that I'll say while we're just still talking about Grease 1 is that I find different about Grease 2 with a a few exceptions is that the songs in the first Grease push the story forward a lot in ways that Grease 2 didn't. Grease 2, I mean, aside from like Cool Rider, uh, a lot of the songs, you know, like reproduction and stuff like that, were just in there to be fun and funny and and just really. innuendo. Just it's just like oh, oh yeah, musical. Well, here are we gonna get into Greece? Are we gonna get into Greece too? Well, let's do yeah. Okay. Let's do the Greece two one. Um, okay, this one's a lot shorter. Sandy's cousin goes to Rydell and is instantly taken with Stephanie, an uber popular pink lady who used to go out with T Bird leader Johnny. In an effort to try to get Stephanie back, Johnny attempts to make her jealous by dating Paulette, another pink lady. Michael attempts to ask out Stephanie, but she's only interested in cool riding motorcycle hunks. Michael saves up money to buy a motorcycle by writing essays for the T-Birds and manages to resurrect an old cruddy bike from the dead and learn to not only ride, but become the best biker in town. After he rolls in and saves the T-Birds and the pink ladies from the Scorpions, Hiding all the while behind biker goggles, Michael in disguise wins the heart of Stephanie. Meanwhile, Michael, as Michael, gets closer to Stephanie, but she admits that she's obsessed with the cool rider. Later, after a massive chase, Michael in disguise is presumed dead as he flies off into a ravine. But after he returns at the senior luau and jumps his bike over the pool, he reveals his true self to Stephanie and the whole world. They make out ASMR style, and Johnny gives him a T-Bird jacket, fully embracing Michael as one of their own. Oh yeah, and Frenchie is back on her bullshit for some reason. Making a very brief appearance. Yeah. She's back in school to like learn chemistry. It was so weird. Uh, Anyway, that's what I got. So yeah, and and Michael is played by Maxwell Caulfield, who uh, I know best as... I mean, come on! It's Rex, it's Manning. Rex Manning Day. It's Rex Manning, baby. Come on! Uh, 
Yeah, and it's so funny because I was like, why does he look so familiar? And then as soon as I looked him up, I was like, oh, it's Rex Manning. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Another another like movie that was not a huge box office hit, but definitely gained a cult following. <laughs> Empire Records. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a really fun movie. And uh, I'm talking about Empire yeah, Records. Yeah. It's a really we, fun movie and and definitely is like a time capsule you know, definitely it is. Yeah, that's what that movie is for. It's just like, hey, oh, do you want to know what like this time was like for this subsection of people? <laughs> this is it. This is it. Abs- absolutely. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah, I mean, Grease 2, it definitely has some catchy, funny songs, but they don't drive the the plot forward as much as Grease. Oh, no, no. And and all right, we'll, we'll get we'll get to the songs in in a minute because so i right. i have given i i really kind of went in on greece too i did a deep dive oh i i well because i i've had a busy couple of weeks and i knew i i felt comfortable with my memory of the original greece ha- being so yeah. familiar with it that i felt like you know yes i could talk about that so i said i'm like all right i'm going to devote any of my watch time to to Greece too, which I wasn't as like I'm pretty sure I never watched the whole thing beginning to end, and had only seen bits and pieces of it. Like yeah, you know, g- Cool Rider reproduction score tonight. Let's do it for our country. All of the right. just like let's let's just s- sexual innuendos, pure innuendo. set to music, right? And Greece too, when you are watching it. In the with the perspective of thinking like, all right, well, Greece one, it's very it's got that like, you know, submit women are are submissive and are kind of the property yeah. of the guys. And then Greece two shows and it's it, it there's that transition in Greece two. And it's yeah. And and it's like. I mean, it's not like a 180 degree turn, but you can definitely see the difference between the 50s and the 60s. Right. It takes place in 61. Yeah. So yeah. and also important to note, directed by female director Patricia Birch, right. uh, choreographer of the of the stage show and on the original movie. Um, yeah. And she directed the film, and I don't, I, I don't know how much her direction had to do with the, you know, yeah. more equitable <laughs> treatment in this. Right, but right, like right. when you look at, so like in the original Greece, you go to a song like "Summer Nights," and it's like the girls are all about the the romance, and it's very yeah. much, and and the guys are all just like, you know, did you get very far? And they're right. really into the sex, whereas in Greece 2, it, it is equal. Like, when they sing reproduction, the girls are just as into oh, it. As, yeah. Whenever it's those big group numbers, the big, like, you know, let's yeah. score tonight, it's very equitable in terms of that. Um, not Not so much, I think, let's do it for our country is where we have, yeah. That's a problematic one. Yep. Uh, that's that one's extremely problematic. It is very date rapey. Uh, we, not okay. I mean, he said for those who are not familiar with it, the the character of Demucci, who's one of the T birds, sets up this ruse in which he basically traps Sharon, who's one of the pink ladies, who looks remarkably right. like Allison Pill. Um, 
Huh. Puts yeah. Sh- I can see like, that. Take Sharon into a fallout shelter, and then with the assistance of uh, fellow T-Birds, Davey and Goose, and Goose is played by Christopher McDonald. Um, yeah, he is. And uh, Shooter. Shooter McGavin. Uh, and they convince right, so her. so they're playing. They're convincing yeah. her that there's been a nuclear attack. They play an air raid, raid siren outside the door of the yeah. fallout shelter. And then Demucci is t- like with this big lie telling her like, well, it's like, come on, we have to repopulate the United States. Like we. Well, I think he's also saying it would be a shame if we died. Virgins. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he's but he's Which he's is, talking about how it's, it's patriotic. Just even and, he, and yeah. And he's yeah. really like. And she is clearly not 100% into this. Like, she is very... Yeah. She's she's given a lot of signs here that uh, that this is not okay. And that one... That number is... It was... Yeah. It's problematic. That was not good. But... Yeah. Yeah. Right. Another thing that I got to give Grease 2 credit for is that yes even though somebody changes for the other person michael changes into this cool riding motorcycle guy by the time that the end really happens michael and stephanie have gotten close to the point where you can tell that she does like him but it's the idea of this other mysterious guy who maybe he's great maybe he's not but like she's still just like infatuated with him so she does still like the actual Michael. Yeah. It's just that she's so intrigued by this other mysterious guy, which is right. also him. And which I get the sense, like, when she says, I want a cool rider, it's like, when she sings that song, it it's totally like, she is Great calling song. her shots. And she's, yeah. all, I feel like she's also kind of saying, like, she wants an eat, because she's a cool rider. Yeah. So it's... um. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh my is God, Michelle Pfeiffer! So amazing in this movie. So good. She's so great. I mean, she was a complete unknown. Gets this role in this movie, and I've watched some uh, interviews with her talking about it. And she's like, "It is makes no sense to me that I was cast in this. Uh, not because she didn't want the job, but because she thought that she totally borked the you know the casting call." And uh, yeah, she gets plucked in this. And then the next year she's in Scarface. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I, what a career. What a career oh, start. I mean, yeah, I, a big fan of Michelle. Pfeiffer. And I just watched her in uh, the, the movie French Exit, which is, I think, streaming on stars right now. Mm-hmm. And she's incredible in that. I mean, she's in the Ant, the Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, and I know she's going to be in the next one, too. She's awesome. She's so yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so, and then it's, uh, so, so Stephanie is definitely her own woman. Like she really likes, she starts the movie despite like Johnny Zuccarelli. Pl- also, oh, she has a job. Yes. At her father's garage. She works. Yeah. She, yeah. She's a mechanic. Um, sorry. You're talking about Johnny. Yeah. So Adrian Zamed, um, who looks like a sexy Jay Barakal. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> he is no Danny Zuko. He's no Danny Zuko. I do. I, I like him, but it's 
you definitely get the sense that like he is just this kind of like oblivious like he's holding on he is clutching on to the like the rules of the old days where if you're a pink lady oh, yeah. you're with a t-bird and and he's yeah. like stephanie you're my girl and like stephanie is just like bro how many times do i have to tell you like we're done and it's like two-thirds of the way into the movie he's like so look pathetic. i've decided yeah. we're done and <laughs> meanwhile yeah. every time she more than two-thirds every time she rebuffs his advances he just turns around and blatantly is like hey Paulette my clear second choice who's like slutty uh and and uh played by Lorna Luft by the way yeah um daughter of Julie and, Judy Garland and, right and when you say slutty you know she she dresses provocatively but right. she clearly wants to be with John no it's not I, like she's known for sleeping around no I think I I think I might have used used air quotes just now which were not seen by anyone <laughs> potentially I because they're I, not podcast friendly. I did them outside of the frame of my webcam so you didn't even see them so they were <laughs> truly pointless but yeah it was a long quote no. you had to put them all the way to the side exactly exactly <laughs> and Paulette she even stands up for herself and when it when yeah, it's like she's great when 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 he's eventually like you know oh man all right stephanie shot me down again well paulette and she's just like no no i'm not putting up with this anymore she's like you got to respect me so we've got a lot of uh maturity we have uh, who is it like one of the, i think it's like sharon's younger sister played by pamela adlon dolores yeah dolores pam adlon yes dolores is awesome She's so good. She just pops in every now and then to be like, hey, I'm a precocious little kid. And uh, yeah, the the whole thing that she's got going on with Michael is just really funny and, and pretty sweet. Yeah. I wish there was more of it. I I read somewhere that she had gotten injured or something and couldn't be in yeah. more of the movie. Yeah. So here's talk, just talking about the difference between Grease 1 and Grease 2 a little bit. I... And we're going to still keep on going and talking about this. I know that you want to talk about more. But one of the things that I liked a lot more about the first Grease, and this might have just, this might have been a directing thing. Um, and I don't know if uh, the director of Grease 2 had done any other directing prior to this or if this was her first. But yeah, you kind of have a maybe not look I, on your face. I'm pretty sure so, it was her first. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that this might just be something that comes with more experience. But, you know, the first Grease has a lot more nuance when it comes to the actors. Uh, you know, Danny and Kanicki, they definitely have more moments where they you can you can tell that there's more acting going on, that they've maybe had more time to develop their characters. Well, whereas Grease 2 felt a little bit more rushed. Well, their their characters had been developed for years because the musical well, they oh, they yeah, also I, I think Jeff Conway played Danny in the musical on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, so like they were familiar. And also John Travolta had been nominated for an Academy Award for Saturday yeah. Night Fever the previous year. So you you have m probably more experienced, more conditioned actors yeah. well, who also know the characters that's, better. That's true. And I know that also like Jeff Conway um, pour one out did an amazing job of like developing the characters a little bit more. Like I watched an interview where he was talking about how the scene where he and 
uh, John Travolta have their like, you know, will you be my, you know, second in command? And uh, and they have like a little hug moment. Yeah. And even though there's a little bit of gay panic in there, uh, it's, you know, that's that goes with the, the, the era and everything. Yeah. And the, yeah, exactly. Um, just need to, you know, note it when I see it. And uh, but that was something that he had suggested that they put in. And I think that it's an awesome moment because it shows them being more vulnerable with each other and just like showing their true friendship that you don't get with Greece too, where, you know, the T-Birds are less, you know, real people and more like cartoon characters. And, you know, it's like Johnny has like these big muscles. And I got to tell you, Dan, I was looking up, I was Googling like, you know, high schoolers in 1961 pictures and like people didn't have muscles that looked like that. It was definitely like early eighties muscles. It was like, when you're strong, you just don't have, in 1961, your body doesn't look the same as it did when you're strong in 1982. So I, I, I don't know. I thought that that was like, it took me out of it a little bit. They definitely just seemed like a little bit more over the top silly, whereas the T-Birds in Greece won, you know, they were funny and they were goofy, but they were like realistic and they were definitely like, <laughs> it, you know, they modeling behavior after three stooges and stuff like that but in greece too they're just really zany over the top people although it period I, it's funny though that you mentioned that because uh something i was thinking while watching greece too was that a lot of the like the gang warfare stuff with the thunderbirds actually like there seems to be a bit more danger like especially when like when the t-birds are chasing after uh you know quote-unquote cool rider michael and like Stephanie is like, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. In fact, yeah. in fact, there's a brief part of the movie where everyone is like they he is presumed dead. He's presumed dead, though, though you yeah. wouldn't know it by the goings on at the school because they're still like, well, shoot, we've got a graduation luau to have. Um, yeah, there is no like that's the thing. Like, yeah. All right. A, a student passing away during the school year is a it is a oh. serious and it is a traumatic event and like it does not go unnoticed of course but dan i not to take anything away from the seriousness of what you're talking about but nobody knows who this person is they do not know that this is a student but do they notice that this michael's is... gone <laughs> does he not go to school for the way i'm like I have no idea because these school years last two weeks in these movies. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was also removing a, a very, very large and complicated air conditioning window unit while watching the third act of Grease oh. 2. So <laughs> uh, I might have missed it. But uh, yeah, no, no. Th like Grease 2, it feels rushed. It also, it it's it's basically set up to fail by being Grease 2 because... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now... I, I, I feel like I have an, a sense of what would have perhaps changed that. And okay, because a lot of this can be forgiven, but there is, there's potential in Greece too. And in a lot of ways, it's a lot more dramatic and, and like, I mean, there's Stephanie has like this fantasy sequence where she and, and right. Michael are duetting in heaven, which by the way, yeah, maybe they don't know who cool rider is, but she's convinced that Michael is dead. So I don't know. 
because uh, she has this dream sequence when she's trying to say when in the middle of like trying to sing like girl for the all seasons. Show, yeah. So, all right. So the songs that work in this work really well, like um, Cool Rider right. and I would say Reproduction um, and and like Score Tonight, probably. As the three that I think work, but. But I, I think that the solution for the songs in this are in the songwriter. And there were a few different songwriters who worked on this. What they should have done was send a blank check to Mr. Jim Steinman <laughs> yeah. with Grease 2 on <laughs> the memo out. line. Yes, pour one out for Jim Steinman because... And if you don't know, Jim Steinman was uh, the songwriter of the bad, like the groundbreaking "Bad Out of Hell" album, um, as sung by Meatloaf. Um, Total Eclipse of the Heart. At this stage, so at this point in his career, when Grease Two is coming out, so he's still riding the success of "Bad Out of Hell." He's writing chart toppers for Air Supply, making love out of nothing at all for Air Supply, and um, a few songs for Bonnie Tyler, including "Total Eclipse of the Heart." But I, I think he also co-wrote, like I think, "Holding Out for a Hero," maybe. I don't know. So for for Footloose, but Jim Steinman. At this in the early 1980s, the songs he would have written, there's there's this one song. I don't I don't I don't think it's prowling. I don't know what number it is, but it's like there's there's these really dramatic, like low angle shots of of like the Thunderbirds on their bikes. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are these moments that are really like melodramatic and like biker gang face offs. I mean, duets in heaven. Come on. Yeah. This is what Jim Steinman was born to write songs about. (laughs) Well, Dan, I'm going to also, you know, add to this a little bit, because while I was watching this movie, there was a different songwriter that I was thinking about nonstop. And that's Paul Williams, because I was thinking about Phantom of the Paradise, which Mm. has a very similar feel to this very over the top the, you know the motorcycle helmets and the goggles just made me think about you know the the look of that movie yeah. and of course there is uh and you watched it more recently than I did but there's the band that's in um Phantom of the Paradise that uh yeah, I can't remember the name of the band, but yeah. you know, it was there's a lot about it that I I was reminded of and I haven't seen that movie in like 15 years, but I was just reminded so much of Phantom of the Paradise while watching Grease 2 and I was like, "Oh man, Paul Williams would have written some great songs for Paul this." Paul Williams songs would have been better than what we had, but for the, to do something to do for it to be Grease 2 but not just kind of exist as like the kind of like unwanted rehash of of Greece that that just doesn't live up a I feel like a Jim Steinman Greece too would have just been like wow this is not Greece like Greece was right. fun fifties revival summer loving this is like fucking opera well it would it would look like and... the bad out of hell video you know just like Probably. motorcycles and or bat, a lot of or bad out of hell and... the musical it it exists right so yeah 
I, yeah, so that's that was kind of where I was like, it was almost like every song that just felt like like filler, which is pretty much every song other than the ones I mentioned. Uh, yeah, well, I, I just want to talk about a couple of those other songs right. because we're going to score tonight, which is they're singing it while they're bowling. Uh, it has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. And I was thinking about songs in the first Grease and it's like, all right, well, Grease Lightning is a great song, but does it really have to do a lot with the movie? And then it's like, well, yeah, because then there's going to be a big, you know, car, you know, uh, drag race that goes on in it. And it has a lot to do with building this car that you see them, you see them coming back to it. The bowling stuff doesn't really come back at all. Like it has nothing to do, no, with anything. And uh, reproduction, it's not like there's a storyline that's got anything to do with reproduction. It's just there to have a funny song with a ton of innuendo in it. And I, uh, yeah, do do it for our country. Is that what the other one's called? Yes. Yeah, I mean that one. It's it's a if you just take it at face value, a clever song. Uh, but it really doesn't do anything in terms of pushing the story forward. And in, in the first Grease, you do have music that just works. Well, they they develop, uh, they develop, they develop characters. I I mean, in, in the first Grease, there are worse things I could do is such a, like a character song. And it's really where like, there's moments where Rizzo bears her soul in that in totally. that movie, and I mean, look at me, I'm Sandra D. Is another one of those moments where she's showing her her insecurities in kind of a a meaner mm-hmm. way because yeah. she's in with her friends. But then, like, there are worse things I could do. She's alone, and yeah. Well, yeah. I'd, I'd also say that everything, every song that Rizzo is a part of shows you know, more depth to her character. In Summer Lovin', she's the cynical one. She's you know, the only one who doesn't do the choreography. Dating. Right. Yeah, she's kind of just like chiming in with like a, a witty remark. Because he sounds like a then. drag. Yeah, I know. Stalker Channing, uh, I mean. Stalker Channing's so good. And I had no yeah. idea that that her name is an amalgam of... So Stalker Channing, her name, her her birth name was Susan Stockard. She married somebody whose last name was Channing when she was like super young and decided to make her stage name her last, her original last name and his last name. So Stockard Channing. So, you know, yeah, does she have, I thought I, that was kind of interesting. You know, talk about someone whose memoir I'd read. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved her on The Good Wife. Uh, I don't know what she's been up to lately. She's so good. Oh yeah. 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 She's And what a and what a role for her. She just like was that character despite being like twice so the age of the character or uh, you I know, don't know how well. It I, didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. I totally yet it's so clear that they're 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 elderly people <laughs> playing teenagers, but that didn't really bother me. Uh just because it the movie is such a I don't know, an outlier of a movie in the first It's a place. musical. It's like you're already like in its nature. It is 
you know, you're suspending disbelief because people break out into song and choreography. The choreography right. part being much less believable than the song. I actually, I mean, like breaking into song just randomly happens yeah. plenty. Uh, well, Dan, you know, you work at a high school. Yes. I mean, how frequently do they do school-wide flash mobs? Um. Well, we not we didn't have one this week. Once a week, we didn't have one this week. No. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's like third week of the month. Um, second week is fire, like when we do fire drills, and <laughs> I think it's the third third week of the month. Um, usually between second and third period because that's when it's extended passing. Uh, yeah. So no, I would love I I I would love for that to happen. But it's like you're much more likely like you are definitely likely to like walk through the halls of high school and just hear someone like singing. Chances are they have their headphones on and don't realize that other people can hear them. But yeah, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I sometimes like will I just like kind of start singing in the middle of whatever I'm saying uh, in in class. If I notice them drifting, I'll just, you know, add a little music. (laughs) So, uh. Yeah, I don't know, Dan. I uh, what were your just overall impressions of of Grease Two? What were the things that you liked about it? What were the things that you hated about it? Well, I I liked the attitude of it. I liked the the change of it. I liked the I liked the sense of more danger from the gangs in it yeah which that's for sure yeah i I, despite the cartoonishness of the t-birds there were definitely the moments of like oh there's really like a a, like a gang like a turf war here yeah i I mean we don't get enough of that but uh you know i i liked i liked that i liked i I mean love michelle pfeiffer um i and also like Man, Connie Stevens, especially after recently watching. Right. We didn't talk about Connie Stevens. Yeah. Uh, another. Yeah, there we go. So we had Frankie Avalon in the original Grease and then uh, Connie Stevens. Yeah. Get your cast of Back to the Beach. And uh, and, and references to Annette Funicello in the original Grease. In the original one in Look at Me, I'm Sandra D. Well, so oh, no, not Look I, at Me. It's where the guys are talking like no one. Kinnicky has a line about like no one's oh, jugs are like yes. Annette's. Right. Yeah. That's true. Well, that's and true, which that's in true. the in the musical, there's a whole scene where they talk. There's a part where they talk about like going over to like Duty's house and watching the Mickey Mouse Club because like oh, yeah. the A and the E on Annette's sweater are like out to here. Oh, <laughs> oh, geez. So, right, Connie Stevens, who is the like, you know, the hot teacher, and. When she's introduced, and this is going back to something I was talking about before, she's introduced as the music appreciation teacher, but then somehow she's in a class with Stephanie where she has a paper about Shakespeare. She's teaching English, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, all right, so teachers don't really... There's the one teacher at the school and then a substitute teacher who is also teaching the reproductive system. Yeah, that tab hunter. 50s heartthrob slash John Waters star (laughs) tab hunter. Um, Right. Now, John, I I have to tell you, as a high school teacher, Mm -hmm. this is not as unusual as you might think. (laughs) 
Oh, for a for a teacher to be teaching everything. Well, it's it, it's less unusual for like because let's say the school is short. Now, I doubt all this thinking went into all this, but especially where you have schools that might be short staffed or, um, you know, for for one reason or another, you might have a teacher who's who's asked to like teach a different subject assuming or and like get certified for it or like go for their certification while teaching it right yeah but dan this is a school and i'm speaking just about greece too right now because i don't know if they had any classes in the first greece aside from auto shop and gym Right, yeah, we don't really. See uh, which, them. by the way, Sid Caesar. Oh yeah, awesome. Sid Caesar. Yeah, as the as the coach uh, who coaches everything. But anyway, I uh, you know it really seems like the only the only staff of the high school is I uh, Miss what's her name the Miss McGee the the principal Miss McGee her uh, Blanche her like assistant. And then Connie Stevens and the substitute. And then the guy who's like got PTSD or something. Right, which I think he's in the first one. I'm I'm almost certain he's in it's the first It's so one. hard to remember. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, no, but it's, it's like they're to, they're always together and uh, there seems to be no other faculty there. Aside from Sid Caesar. Uh, well, I mean, they wouldn't be able to get through a musical number if there was any faculty there because the faculty would be like, doing like fifth period started five <laughs> yeah. minutes ago. Get to class. Get off. Right. Get off the bleachers. Stop doing choreography. Like, yeah, come on. Get to class. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do you have a pass to so, be out here singing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, we talked car about have a parking pass for the permit for the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit about, you know, what the idea was when the original Greece was coming out, that there would be all these sequels and all these other things, TV series and everything. Uh, Dan, was there anything else that was done with this? I mean, I know that it's been on Broadway for the longest time. Well, yeah, I mean, it I came back if... like Rosie O'Donnell playing Rizzo in in the nineties, which is perfect casting. Yeah, of course. Um, and there was like the Grease Live, like um, remember? Oh, Grease Live, there was, like yeah. Grease Live. Back... Vanessa Hudgens, yeah, Vanessa Hudgens was. I forget who else was. In I don't it. know. Probably like the, I'm sure like Glee did a season. So yeah, head of so the class, the live head of thing, the class did Greece one year. Did they? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So uh, yeah, the Greece live thing that was during this craze where it was like ABC or something. There was a do. whole. There was Fox and like ABC did the Sound of Music. Right. It was a it was a thing to like do a televised live musical. Like I think they did Rent. Oh I think yeah. There was a, like it was Rocky Horror. Oh, I don't remember. I'm that pretty one. sure there was a t- like a TV Rocky Horror, unless I'm also thinking of Glee. Maybe I, both. I really don't. Maybe know. both. It might have been. Glee. But yes, no. There was a Grease right Grease Live, so a televised stage production yeah. of Grease. There is a, there was going to be an HBO Max series, like before HBO Max was a reality. Oh, oh, and they okay. were just announcing like, yeah, no, HBO Max is going to be next year and it's going to have this. And the, there was going to be like a series called Grease Rydell High. Oh, um, okay. But now apparently 
Paramount Plus is planning a, a series, Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies. Really? Yeah. Yeah, huh. there have been. I, there were definitely. I don't think there are t- rise of the pink ladies. So what happened to them? Right. Well, they they fell. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. after they stopped being exclusive to T Birds, like you know. Yeah. What's the point, right? So uh, there's. I know there was there were talks of of like additional sequels for a while, where you know like. Uh, uh, Danny and Sandy would come back. Oh yeah. Oh, and and Paramount Plus. Oh yeah, they were also producing. They were the Paramount Plus was going to do a series, but then also a prequel called Summer Lovin'. And gotcha. yeah, that is like supposedly in development. Um, there was a television series inspired by the film that was produced um in Venezuela. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and let me see what else. Yeah. So like Grease Rydell High. Oh, and then yeah, Grease. Oh yeah, Grease Rydell High became Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies. And Got that it. will supposedly be on Paramount Plus, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So, John, I'm gonna I wanna ask yeah. you first. Okay. Uh, okay. So this is one that I was originally writing as a like a joke idea, and then I was actually kind of getting into it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, maybe I'll just." And I literally just like deleted the word like "fake" from <laughs> my I, where I wrote idea. So I, uh, this is Stephanie, uh, now in the year two thousand. And she's grieving the death of her husband, Michael, who died in a motorcycle accident. And looking back on her life, she blames herself for making Michael feel like he needed to change for her. And she returns to Rydell to find the latest generation of pink ladies to give them some advice. She finds that high school girls are way more independent. By the way, this is the year 2000. I mentioned that earlier. So it's, you know, I like Grease 2 was filmed in 81 or 82 took place in 61 so it's the 20 years you know looking back and uh yeah so she finds that high school girls are are way more independent and that the dynamics are way different and then the girls the new generation of pink ladies help her find her groove as she becomes interested in the school's principal played by brian cranston a former t-bird and yes frenchie is still there trying to graduate I I would have it I would have it um done by Lynn Manuel Miranda and it would be called Grease 2 2 <laughs> or Grease 2000. I love yes, no, it, Grease 2000. Yes. Really? I liked Grease 2 2. I like Grease 2 2 <laughs> because it's not a Grease sequel, it's a Grease 2 sequel. But I like I liked Grease 2 2. Until yeah. you, and then you said Grease 2000. And you know what it was? Okay. It was just, it kind of like, it almost, it feels to me like, and I'm probably like the only person on the planet who would, who would make this connection, but it feels like a shout out to perhaps one of the other, like considered, well, actually, no, because Grease 2 has, yeah, because Blues Brothers 2000, 2000 I, Blues yeah. Brothers 2000 was like Grease 2 without gaining the cult following. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was like, wouldn't that be hilarious to call it Grease 2? And it also makes me think of like that part in Spaceballs where they talk about Rocky 5,000. 5,000, yeah. So Grease 2000. So I graduated high school in 2001. I imagine that Lin-Manuel Miranda, I think he and I are around the same age. So I know that he has an idea of what teenagers were like in the year 2000. And uh, I, I don't know, like I'm thinking back to like when I was in high Grease school. Grease 2K. <laughs> Grease 2K, yeah, G2K. And uh, well, that's it'll be Grease 2000, but everyone will call it G2K. Everyone. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm just thinking back to like when I was in high school and, you know, Dan, you were just a, a few years out of high school by this point. You were substitute teaching in the year 2000. So you certainly remember what people in high school were like then. And uh, it's certainly not the way that it is now with the way that, you know, depending on where in America you live, I'm sure that it's very, very different. But being in a high school right now, Dan, I'm sure that you would have a lot to say about the differences between teenagers now and the way that teenagers were in the late 90s or 2000. And, uh, you know, there's... Uh, you know, Rydell High, they never explicitly say where they are. They meant, you know, the license plates say California. So you have to imagine they're in California somewhere. I know it's filmed in Los Angeles because I uh, I used to live across the street from, you know, one of the schools that they filmed this at in L.A. Also, the L.A. River. Uh, the L.A. River plays a prominent part, too. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's. It's L.A., but it was it was so weird when at the beginning they were like making a thing about like, oh, you were at the beach all summer. And it was like, well, if you're in L.A., you're also very close to the beach. You know, it's like it's not a weird thing for him to be, I don't know, hanging out in Santa Monica for a couple months anyway. I mean, it also makes sense, like, prox- I guess, pro- relative proximity to Australia. That. Uh, well, I'm saying like, oh, for why well, she would have ended up there. I mean, yeah, I guess it's slightly more, I don't know. It's probably, it really makes no difference if you're flying from Australia to the United States. What What's the difference yeah. between California and Ohio, you know? There you go. Uh, yeah. A few hours at that right. point. It's a drop in the so, bucket. So anyway, that that's what I had. Um, and Dan, before I ask you what you had as an idea, I do want to give a shout out. You know, we hadn't really talked too much about Olivia Newton-John who was excellent in Greece, of course, mm-hmm. iconic as Sandy. And, uh, you know, she, after Greece became really, you know, she was a, a star before this, you know, she had a great music career. But after this is when she started doing more provocative kind of albums. Let's and get album physical. Covers and stuff. Well, let's get physical, I wanted to mention. Was the uh, the inspiration for our mother's business's name? Let's get personal, where she personalized uh, <laughs> gifts for uh, for kids. Wait, I never knew that. <laughs> she can write us and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that she told me that it was a play that Let's Get Personal was a play on Let's Get Physical. Oh wow, I am so yeah. sad that there were so never shout any- out to our mother. For uh, the the Olivia Newton John inspiration for her uh, her home business, I wish there were some like early eighties era TV commercials. Uh, it's so sad <laughs> to me that there were not. So, uh, Dan, 
what you got? Well, okay. You, you're going to go Greece 2000. I'm going to go Greece 3000 because oh. what's more fun than going into the past, <laughs> going into the fucking future. And Greece Lightning is okay. like a spaceship and it takes place in space. And I mean, it's basically the same plot, but no, I, I don't know. I thought of that after you said Greece 2000. Oh, I <laughs> no, was going to say, it's like, was... oh, are Sandy and Danny still in Greece Lightning, like floating through space, like solving yeah. crimes and stuff? Yeah, yeah. No, this is where they got. I mean, we're just going to use old digital footage of Travolta and Olivia Newton-John and, you know, hey, whatever. Yeah. No, I had not. I, I had not. There's so many different things that have been done with Greece. Right. This this is a tough one to do. So I so what I was thinking, and I, I actually I I I kind of I'm I I slipped a little bit earlier um and started to to reference this, but I was thinking so one of the things I've always thought was um you know if I ever had the opportunity, if I ever was to direct Greece, I would want to make it like a little grittier, a little darker huh. and you know, I mean, we're like we were saying, the songs are pretty dirty. Like, there's yeah. a lot of like, you know, I'll be getting lots of tit and grease lightning, and the chicks will right. cream and all that, and it's like, so I I would want to, uh, I I feel like a remake that that like plays it more realist the plays it i guess maybe more realistically and maybe incorporates the idea of the of it starting with the reunion and not to get too like peggy sue got married about it but uh, uh-huh. it would be really interesting it, it's just movie. like that would be a great setup for it <laughs> yeah I, I i mean you know to have like you know sandy like faint at the reunion might be a little uh a little too much peggy sue got married but uh i i was thinking like you know just kind of a a more like i don't know i guess more character based grease and like maybe we need to know why does sandy who's this pretty you know like pretty remarkable person very you know nice and and smart and everything and why would she feel the need to change especially when this guy danny is there so like i think i would I, it would be a remake but possibly with some added scenes and some more uh-huh. just like nuance more behind rizzo like we get more of a sense of their family lives because it's like right. from just from them, you kind of get the sense that there's not that much like parental guidance at home, but I don't know. There's kind of like that's kind of it's kind of mixed. It feels mixed in the movie. And you know what? I I, I know, you know, he's he's going to be he's probably retiring from filmmaking. Um, But man, Quentin Tarantino has never made a musical. <laughs> And Quentin Tarantino, like, you know, definitely has a passion for this type of of culture and, you know, the leather jackets, the I mean, like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Uh, So there's definitely I feel like there's definitely an appreciation for it. But I also think that Quentin Tarantino would have the ability to make a grease that stands on its own and is a, a different, you know, I mean, like, dare I say it like Quentin Tarantino's 
Grease. I yeah, mean, I'm yeah, sure yeah. there are other filmmakers that would make a really good that would do a really good remake of Grease, but I think you know everything with each movie he does, he makes such interesting choices and right and like character is something that's really strong in his movies. Yeah, and you know the original Grease movie plot wise is very very thin it's despite you know really the, propped up on all the songs despite the uh complex synopsis hey look when you're gonna write a synopsis you gotta write that synopsis. no yeah but no 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 like it's it's really very simple what what's going on and everything is really there for the songs to to pop and yeah, I, I think that if you if you strip it down a little bit and build it from scratch, then you're like Grace Lightning, then it's going to you're going to get something a lot more interesting. Right. And yeah. And I, I also feel like he's someone who could take these songs, which at least from the original Grease are, you know, the classics. I feel like yeah. he could take that songs and those songs and also without rewriting them without really changing them like grease lightning is still going to be great but like reinvent them and just like show higher stakes dig in a little bit more to that gang rivalry yeah so really like not just maybe not just remake grease but um, i mean i guess remake yeah remake it like a remake yeah, yeah that's what not like a remake just a remake yeah, uh, there's there's one other thing that I was thinking about, and I wasn't sure if I was going to bring it up because I know that I tend to have ideas like this a lot, and I certainly don't want to make light of segregation and the ways that there, you know, people of color and black people are represented in... Uh, the late fifties, but you know, you, I think that the only people of color in this movie are like, I think there might be somebody in Shanana that's playing at the, uh, you know, the national bandstand, but like yeah. what's going on across the street from Rydell high. And like, what's the story of like, what's going on nearby. And there could be a whole other movie of like what's happening during this like school year with somebody who isn't white. And maybe like you hear them, uh, like you can hear people singing summer loving from across the street and uh, you know, they're in their world of privilege. And then you get, you know, a completely different story happening nearby or like, uh, you know, there's a carnival going on and then it just happens to be across the street from, you know, this other movie that's happening simultaneously. Like, and maybe it is a school that just happens to be, you know, a block away from Rydell. That's, uh, you know. And the, and, and the, uh, what, like the, the districting line just happens to yeah. be, you know, so even if you live closer to Rydell, you still have to go to the. Yeah, no, I. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be really interesting. Like, it's kind of like set right. in the uni set in the Greece universe. Yeah, like you just happen to hear like we go together, like shoopy doo bop, and then it's just like this whole other movie that's happening 
across the street. Doesn't necessarily have to be super dramatic, you know, it it could just be straight up satirical, but I don't know. I yeah, I mean that would be that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be I, I think you know in the right makes, hands that could be interesting. It makes me think of the new reboot of the Wonder Years, which is showing the perspective right. of a black family at the same yeah. time. And I don't know that much about it. So like I don't know if it takes no, place I've in the only same just, like seen a little it bit. It feels like it I, right. it feels like it doesn't take place in like the same town or like the same universe like this would, but that it's kind of like the all right, that was the version for like, you know, this middle class white family. And now we're seeing the this time period through the perspective of um a black teenager the same yeah. age as which is Fred awesome. Savage's character. Yeah. yeah, no, no. I'm actually I'm I'm really interested in that. Of all the yeah. of all of like the new the reboots, because there's like a new like Doogie Hauser, um, which I uh-huh. think uh she's it might be Hawaiian. I think um okay. I I feel like it was something yeah it was something like like that uh but the, yeah there's a new Doogie, Doogie Hauser and um the but the new Wonder Years definitely sounds interesting. I think there's going to be a new, there might be a new head of the class. I think HBO Max might have oh, been really? might have been rebooting that cuz I know HBO Max has the show Head of the Class on which I used oh, to okay. I used to love that show. I have not come back to rewatch it because I'm afraid it won't age well. I haven't watched too much of it. Oh yeah, totally. I loved it, and they did the musicals. They 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 did. Uh, I mean, like I remember those episodes really well. Like when they did Grease, they did Hair, and mm. there was the teacher that I think it was like Elaine Stritch who played the teacher whose son was <laughs> killed in Vietnam, so she was like really offended by Hair. Oh they did Little Shop of Horrors, and Dennis Blunden got to be the was like the plant. Uh, <laughs> no, I yeah, oh, I, wow. I I I mean, I'm trying to remember if they did any other. Me- I don't know. Listen, if you if you can remember whether or not head of the class did any other uh, at Fillmore High, if they did any other musicals other than Grease, Hair, and um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, email us ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail dot com. Yeah, uh, we also have a link tree with all of our social media and our T Public store and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm feeling I'm jonesing to make some more merch, even though, uh, you know, we still have so much on there. I, I don't know. I feel like making more. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we got to get back on that. The holidays are coming up. So, you know, get for the Oscar Isaac fan in, in your life, for the yeah. Jesse Plemons fan in your life, uh, the Timothy Oliphant fan in your life. Oh, yeah. Who, it's probably yeah. me. Or John, or me and John. <laughs> yeah. So, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, check that out. And Dan, what are we going to be doing on our next episode? So for our next movie, we are going to be, we're going to be going to 1986. And we're heading to San Francisco's Chinatown to catch up with John Carpenter and Kurt Russell and Kim Cattrall and James Hong and Big Trouble in Little China. We're getting on the old Jack Burton Express, baby. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Well, Dan, before we get onto the Jack Burton Express, I uh, I want to wish while you are on a uh, your your journey into the stars and Grease Lightning a very very good journey. Good journey. 